And we're live. Welcome to the Power of Man podcast, everyone. My name is Rory Pocket. I am, as always, your very humble host. Thank you so much for being here today. It means the world to me that you guys are giving me your very precious time to come in here and listen to what we all have to say. Um, you're the reason that this show keeps growing. And uh, you're the reason we're in 28 countries right now. So thank you very, 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 very. And did I mention very, very much? Appreciate it. Uh, we have um, an incredibly special guest with us today. Um, very powerful young man who's been uh, making a name for himself all over social media. Um, every time I turn around, I see one of these guys, uh, this guy's posts. Um, it's either got his his wife. It's got his fantastic little kid in there who's just, you know, adorable to the ends. Uh, or it's got this big motivational message that just makes me stop and uh, and really think. He's one of the few people who actually motivated me this past week, and I'll probably tell that story later on. But uh, please welcome to the Power Man podcast, Danny Post Postwa. Did I get there it right? Danny right. Postwa. Yeah. All That's right. Correct. Just found out I've been saying this poor guy's name completely wrong for the last like you know month. But uh, Danny Postwa. Danny, welcome to the Power Man podcast, man. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on, Roy. I really appreciate you taking the time to reach out and having me on your podcast. You well, thank you for being here. Um, for those of, of, uh, of the few folks that are out there that haven't found you on social media, that, that aren't following you, that aren't getting motivated by the stuff that you post, um, tell me a little bit about, first, the account that you run. Okay, You run a, a social media account and you post a lot of motiva motivational stuff. Um, and tell everybody who you are. You know, who, Who's Danny? What, what are you about? Yeah, so I'm Danny Pastwa, and I'm 36 years old. And the account that you're talking about is uh, Danny Pastwa. It's my name on Instagram. You know, I had one before that. Um, had a not that followers necessarily are the most important thing, but I had another account, and I had to change it because people couldn't tag me in that one anymore because I shared too much COVID misinformation. <laughs> and so okay. I actually figured, well, if I'm going to try to, you know, inspire other people, I want people to be able to tag my posts and so on and so forth. And so I ended up just kind of leaving that one in the dust and starting the one that I have now. So I'm trying to build that one back up. And so, yeah, my social media is, you know, just kind of this, this capture of my everyday life, things that I've been through, experiences that I've had, where I try to share those things with other people and try to make a positive impact, even if it's only for one person. If somebody can see that and feel like I'm not alone, that you know, if this individual has gone through what it is that I currently feel like I'm going through, and I feel so isolated, and if he could do it and get through it, you know what? Maybe I can too. And so those are the kind of mes messages that I share, and I do. You know, you had mentioned my my son; he's actually five months old today, and um, my wife and I had tried for two years to have him, and we were finally blessed and found out in uh, February of last year that she was pregnant. And, you know, they say that if you want to see what somebody is scared to lose, watch what they photograph. Right. And so that's why I'm constantly sharing uh, photos and videos and everything of my son and my wife, because family is extremely important. Absolutely. And a little bit about myself. Um, I've spent most of my life in uh, the security field. Um, I did four years active duty in the Marine Corps uh, from 05 to 07. I did two tours to Iraq. I did a little stint in Afghanistan as a private contractor with Triple Canopy. Uh, back in 2012 and um, got out of that, uh, went to college for photography. I've got a Bachelor of Fine Arts in photography. Um, I've got a photography business um, that I do that as more of like a side hustle right now because of my work schedule and family and everything, trying to find balance amongst the chaos in my life right now is quite insane and difficult, you know, but I'm doing a little bit better, a little bit more every day. And as long as I keep going forward, then eventually those small little 
uh, efforts and everything are going to build up to something absolutely amazing because how can they not? That's great. I love that attitude. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and so, yeah, I did that. And currently, um, you know, I'm, I'm working right now, but I'm working on getting out of the field that I'm currently in, in order to fully pursue uh, something that I'm more passionate about, which is entrepreneurship. Okay, excellent. Now, I, you and I have talked, uh, you know, quite a bit on, on your journey and stuff. So I want to make sure that we're kind of encapsulating it um, and giving everybody a decent idea, a picture you know, sure. who, Dan, who Danny really is. And um, so let's see, going back to the Marine Corps, what, what made you join the Marines? So the Marine Corps, as a kid, um, I, I came from a family that wasn't, I, I would say not successful, uh, not driven. And a lot of my family is drug addicts, alcoholics. Mm. You know, um, one of the first jobs I had was working at a motocross and when I was in high school, I was out there on the motocross track, um, sitting next to a, to one of my cousins, you know, and he pulled out meth and started smoking meth right next to me. And it was my first time I'd ever seen something like that in person. Um, usually I'd only see it in like the movies. So um, I hung out with the wrong crowd. I got into a lot of fights in high school. I was on probation twice for assault and battery while I was in high school, just hanging out with a, a wrong crowd of people. Sure. And you know, they say you are the sum of the people you hang out with, you know, and I was hanging out with a lot of losers, a lot of tough guys, right? A lot of people that didn't have a lot of ambition, that just had something to prove to everybody. And, you know, I started thinking to myself, like, there's got to be something better. There's got to be something more out there in life than getting put on probation, getting hit with community service, getting in fights, um, you know, stealing, doing all sorts of just adolescent uh bad decisions. And so, you know, kind of looking around, I use the Marine Corps as a stepping stone out of my situation because I was the first person in my family to graduate high school. Um, the first one in my family to go to college, the first one to get a degree, the first one, you know, to be honorably separated from the military, um, the first one to go to the military in my immediate family. And so I joined the Marine Corps as a stepping stone out of that lifestyle in pursuit of trying to find something greater than the small bubble that I had been put in, that I put myself in, um, that I was born into because I knew that there was something better out there and I just had to change my environment in order to find it. Wow. I mean, I've, I've heard that, that sort of thing before where guys, you know, go into the military to learn discipline, to kind of get themselves out sure. of the situation. Did you have a, like some sort of qualifying event or something, you know, a tragedy or something that happened that made you kind of wake up and go, Hey, I got to change my life trajectory. Or was it just a gradual awakening? I would say it was a gradual awakening. You know, I had been surrounded by my family who, like I said, are drug addicts, alcoholics, um, you know, people that really had no inspiration to do anything. And I mean, I guess if I had one motivating factor, it would be uh, one of my neighbors. And I mean, they kind of had their own business. They'd been building it from the ground up, you know, and they would go out and they would go to, you know, Cedar Point. They would drive to Ohio and go to Cedar Point. You know, they would do family stuff. And I kind of looked at that family. I don't know if you've ever read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Yep. You know, Absolutely. but I kind of look at that family as like my rich family, mm. like, you know, like the rich dad, because they were, they are entrepreneurs. They still have a successful business um, a couple hours away from where I live right now um, that they've built this empire with. And then I look at my family that's like, hey, play it safe. Hey, just get good grades. Hey, if you want to drop out of school, that's okay too. 
you know, because they, they let my brother drop out of school, yeah. uh, you know, and kind of planted this victim mentality in his head. And so kind of seeing my neighbor and what they were capable of, like, that was great, but that wasn't my reality. And so I would attribute some of me joining the military into seeing like that difference, as well as my best friend actually ended up joining the Marine Corps. And I was like, man, like, this is really changing him. And so if it's changing him, and I mean, he was kind of a troublemaker too growing up. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he's very successful now doing very well. And, you know, I figure if it changed him and I see what it's done for him, why can't it do the same thing for me? If it's helped him kind of create a better life just from out the gate, just after graduating boot camp, why can't it do the same thing for me? And I'm going to go active duty as well and just put all of this behind me and try to expose myself to different cultures, different people, different mindsets, different ways of thinking so that I can break out of this mental cage that everybody has put me in and like kind of, you know, water that seed, play it safe. You know, it's okay to like, just do whatever you want. Just go to school, go do this. And I just needed to get out of all of that. So I would say the catalyst would be my best friend and then one of my neighbors. Okay. Now you seem like a pretty good fit for the Marine Corps, to be completely honest with you. <laughs> In the short time I've known you, you know, it's not a big yeah. stretch to, to picture you, <laughs> you know, dressed it, that way. So, you know, it, yeah, it's <clears throat> funny because I mean, even when I was in high school, I would get bullied, you know, and I, I, I always stood up. I, I always walked straight and, you know, these kids would just walk by me and they would basically like do this robotic march going next to me, like trying to goat me, you know, into fighting them. And if they, if that didn't work enough to tempt me, like I'd get pushed into a locker, like not shoved into a locker, like stuffed inside it with the door closed, but mm -hmm. you know, they would just shove me into a locker to try to like tempt me, you know, to fight them or they'd knock my books out of my hand. You know, but I'd always like kind of had that like stand up straight mentality and I wasn't always a good guy. You know, I got into, like I said, a lot of fights <laughs> growing up, but yeah, I think that I kind of carried that essence with me and the Marine Corps obviously, uh, kind of really, um, you know, instilled a lot more into me and built a lot more confidence and everything in me. Uh, and I could attribute to a lot of who I am because of that experience. Well, I mean, so you, you're in the Marine Corps, um, you're, you're building, you're changing, you're growing, you know, you're exposing yourself to the world and all these other, you know, new stimuli. Um, you didn't just go and, and do your time though and go home. I mean, you had, was it two tours you told me? Correct. Yeah. I did, two, uh, I did two tours as a Marine, two tours to Iraq as a Marine. And then I did a short stint in Afghanistan as a private contractor. That's right. Contractor. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. And so with that, you know, the way that it was working at the time, I'm not sure exactly how it works anymore, but you have like the East Coast that deploys, you know, and then you have the rotation where the West Coast goes out there, does this um, this changeover, if you will, you know, East Coast comes back, West Coast stays out there. And so they kind of alternate. And at the time in uh, 2006, um, the East Coast was out there, like, you know, North Carolina, kind of uh, the Marines out in that area. And our, uh, our master sergeant had called a bunch of us into his office and had said, hey, uh, I need 10 volunteers of people who want to go and deploy to Iraq. And I was one of the first people who raised my hand, wow. you know, and I was like, you know what, I'm here. I want to get the fullest experience that I can out of, you know, me being here, me joining the military. I, I, I want to leave no stone left unturned. And so I was one of the first people to raise my hand. And it was this whole, we're going, we're not going, we're going, we're not going. And then the next thing you know, they're like, hey, we're going to do workups. 
and did the workups for a little while out in uh out in the desert at 29 palms and went on our way and deployed you know and so that was a uh seven month deployment out there came back for i think like eight months or something then went on another nine month deployment back to iraq hmm. now were you married during this time that you were in the in the service that no, happened I, afterwards yes i uh yeah, I just got married a couple of years ago to my wife, Ellen. And yeah, I was never married. I had relationships, a handful of them uh, while I was in and nope, never been married. I was one of the one, I was one of the few because a lot of guys go in there, they get married or they get contract marriages, you know, because they get more money if they're married and when they're deployed, they get a lot more money if they're married. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, okay. I didn't know that. Well, yeah, because when you're, when you're a bachelor and you live on base, you know, your, your board is basically paid for, um, you know, the chow hall or, you know, you're staying in barracks, but with your, when you're married, you get basically, depending on your rank, you get approval to live off base and you get what's called a, a housing allowance. Hmm. And so you get the housing allowance and you have a spouse, then you're getting more money for the housing. And so whatever the cost of living is out there, whatever they determine it is based on your rank or rate or whatever, I don't know how they do it these days but you get essentially more money deposited into your bank account to help pay for rent essentially mm-hmm. because you're married. And so, you know, if you get an extra $1,300 a month for rent and you're deployed and it's all tax free money while well, you're making hand over fist more than the people of the same rank that aren't. Hmm. Not a bad deal. <laughs> it's not a bad deal. And so That's a lot right. of people, I, I hate to say it, but a lot of people will go over there, they'll do the contract marriages and they'll say, Hey, you know, I'll pay the woman or the man X amount of hundreds of dollars every month because they're still making, you know, quite a bit of money on that deal too. It does happen. Yeah. Wow. Um, now the, okay. So you're over there, you're not married. You're going through these couple of tours. Um, you said something to me in our pregame and I I just wanted to, to bring it up because it, it hit me pretty hard. I didn't say anything about it at the time, but, um, you said that when you were over there, you didn't expect to come home. Correct. Tell everybody about that, about what you were thinking and how that impacted you. Yeah. So when, when I deployed, I had never made, you know, I never had like a five-year plan, right? I never had a, well, when I get out of the military, what am I going to do? Am I going to make this a career? Am I going to get out? Am I going to do so like whatever, whatever it is, I never made plans because, um, I was 20 years old on my first deployment and some insurgents had blown up a bridge that we went on convoy. I I was a convoy operator. I was either doing convoy operations, driving uh, armored vehicles, or I was a radio operator, or I was a gunner in the turret. And insurgents had blown up this bridge on one of our main routes, which if we had to go to Fallujah, we were stationed in El Takayum, Iraq TQ at the time. And the, the route we would take to get to Fallujah would take us five or six hours, depending on a convoy. But if you were to go through the city of Fallujah, it's like a 45 minute drive, right? But we would always take the long way to avoid the city of Fallujah. Well, when the insurgents blew up this bridge, it forced all of our convoys to go through the city of Fallujah every single night. Um, and our command had thought that they did that as an attempt to force us to go through the city so that they could ambush us. Mm. I was afraid so, you were going there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so because of that, um, at the time, our Lieutenant, you know, had pulled us all in and she said, Hey, I want you guys to write letters home, essentially death letters. I want you guys to write letters home, you know, telling your family that you love them. 
you know, and that you're sorry, but if they're getting this letter that you're, you're dead, you were killed in action. You know, and I remember sitting there writing that letter uh, to my family at 20 years old. And uh, to be 20 years old in a combat zone where you've, where you've gone on convoy operations and you, you hear machine gun fire, you hear fire, you know, things being fired off in the background, you hear explosions, you see clouds of smoke, you know, to be up close and personal to that psychologically where you're told, hey, there's a good chance you're about to die. Because when they blew up that bridge, it caused us to go through the city, I think, for about a month and a half straight, every single night in complete blackout. No lights, no horns, no no anything. You know, wearing night vision goggles. And so at that point, I thought to myself, well, I'm not going to make it home. Like, I'm going to die. And so I never made plans, you know. And I would say even before that, you know, I thought that my destiny was going to be, you know, go overseas and die. Like, that was my fate. Like, that's what I was put on this earth to do. And so I never, I never made plans for the future. And, you know, luckily, I did make it home after that seven-month tour. And after I made it home, because I had volunteered for that tour, and then after I had made it home, I was voluntold to go back again. Uh, voluntold is what we call it. <laughs> um, you know, to go back again. And I was on a nine-month deployment at that time. And I had never, once again, I had never made plans because I, I expected I was going to die. Not because of anything like crazy, right? I've been shot at. I've, um, it, it's, uh, when we were actually going through the city of Fallujah on that first deployment, it wasn't in my, it's not my platoon, but one of our other platoons that went out actually had a sniper shoot him in the arm. He was a, a turret gunner and um, a sniper oh. actually got him in the arm. Um, he ended up getting a purple heart and everything for it. But that was the only um, attack that I can recall off the top of my head that ha that had happened as all of us went through the city of Fallujah, all of the couple of platoons every single night, taking cargo and everything to the city wow. or uh, to the base. But yeah, I made it back after my second deployment and I was like, well, shit, like now what do I do? Because I didn't expect to make it this far. I had no plans. I had no ambitions. You know, my ambition was if I'm going to die over here, I better go down in flames. Like, I'm going to go out fighting. And when I made it back, I was like, well, I, I guess I got to start planning now. Like, I guess I got to try to figure out what I, what to do in my life because I could be a semi-truck driver. Like that's what my job skills have. I could do security and stuff, or, you know, I could try to go and learn new skills or do something different because what I did in the military doesn't really transfer to a decent career um, in the civilian world, you know, and I didn't really make any plans, like I said, because I thought I was going to die and I didn't. I mean, how do you, how do you come back from that? I mean, mentally, what's that, what's that reset like when when your brain literally stops assuming you're not coming back and you have that realization, you know, the light comes on and you go, I'm back, I'm home. I don't, I can't think this way anymore. You know what I mean? That, that seems like it would be a, a serious 90 degree wrench of a turn, you know, that you'd have to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and to be honest, it's something that I still deal with today. Mm. You know, I, I wouldn't even say that I fully have conquered the surrealism of the fact that I am still here. You know, it's something that I try to push out of my brain and I try not to think about as far as, you know, the fact that I had no plans that I figured I was going to die and, you know, getting shot at over um, in Iraq while going through Ramadi. And 
it's it's I, I wouldn't say that I fully have overcome that idea because I feel like it's something that I'm still working on passionately. And it's something that, you know, trying to get out of my own head and realize like, hey, it's okay to go out there and try to be successful. Hey, it's okay to tell your story. Hey, it's, you know, there's other people that probably feel like there's no reason to plan for the future either, because what's the point? I'm just going to die. Well, but every day is a new day to live. Right. Well, I can only assume that uh, Jack helps with that a little bit. He does. He does. Yeah, Jack helps with it tremendously, you know, and there's a lot of times where I get in my own head. And, you know, luckily, my wife, uh, Ellen, is a a huge supporter, Um, you know, and so when I'm going through anxiety attacks, or, you know, when I when I'm having other issues, uh, service connected issues from the military, you know, she understands that she comes up and she says, hey, do you want to talk? Or do you need space? Right? Because depending on the situation, talking to me is only going to make things worse. Like I need to deal with like what the demons that I'm facing in my own head. Right. And until I do that, it, in those moments, then talking, I think is going to be very toxic, because I'm going to be very closed minded, because I'm trying to deal with things that other people don't understand that haven't gone through it. I'm sure that's a godsend to have a wife who understands that. I cannot, I couldn't agree more. And she's been absolutely great um, in helping kind of reel me back in and be the anchor of, you know, the problems and everything that I have. And yeah, she's great. Jack is great, you know, and it's really, I didn't think I could love anybody more, you know, than myself after everything I've been through. And then I met my wife and now I've got this little blessing of a child. And so they, they absolutely do help. Yeah. Good deal. Now, how long have you been with your wife? I mean, she's in a lot of your posts and you can tell that, you know, you just are absolutely the smitten kitten when you're with your wife in these, these pictures, you know, you don't hide it very well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would say, uh, five years, six years, uh, you know, so she's absolutely great. And, you know, she was kind of very different from the get go. I remember the first night I was going to cook for, um, one of our first like date nights, if you will. And I was like, okay, well, let's go to the store. I'm going to buy, you know, this like really nice steak. I'm going to get these like these side dishes. I'm going to make you like some like just amazing food. I don't know if it was amazing, right? I'm not like a chef, but, you know, (laughs) right off the bat, um, you know, we were leaving the store and she goes, hey, what's your Venmo? And I told her and she like just Venmoed me like 50% of the uh, whatever I had just spent on the groceries. And I'm like, wait a minute. She doesn't feel entitled. She, it's like when you go to a bar and a girl's like, you're going to buy me a drink, right? Well, no, I'm not actually. But the fact that she automatically took like, Hey, I'm not like expecting anything. Like I want to pay my half, you know? And it was at that point I was like, she's different, Mm. you know? And yeah, absolutely. I'm smitten. I think that, um, you know, I've pulled her out of a lot of dark places and we won't get into all of that. And, you know, there's been a lot of issues that I had, um, you know, from my past, from the military, and with these COVID lockdowns and everything that's happened with that, yeah. um, kind of exasperated a lot of a lot of demons, a lot of issues, um, you know. And so she's helped pull me out of a lot of dark places out of that, um, and feeling like you know somebody's going to come and get me, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and that that's a whole another tangent. But sure, yeah, she's absolutely great, and. You know, like I said, we've been together for about six years, and I think that a lot of people just kind of think that their significant other 
knows how much they love them and knows how much they care. And they don't go out of their way to continue to date their spouse. You know, once you've, once you've, you know, won them or you've, you know, you've married them, you like a lot of people think, you know what, I've got the catch I've won. And then they stop courting their significant other. They stop dating them. You know, they stop showing all these things of affection that really is the foundation of what, you know, really created that relationship to begin with. And I think that if you don't continue to feed that, you don't, if you stop dating your, your spouse and if you stop courting like you did, you know, when you first started dating, I think the foundation has the potential to start cracking. And when it starts cracking, you know, a lot of ideas, a lot of thoughts can seep in. And when that happens, then it comes down to discipline or, um, you know, that individual's strong will. And, you know, I think that that's one of the things that, you know, I try to put out there. Cause like I said earlier, you know, if you want to see what somebody's afraid to lose, watch what they photograph. And so I'm constantly sharing my wife. I'm constantly sharing my kid. You know, I'm constantly like we go on date nights. We, uh, she and I have wellness checks every week when, when we sit down for dinner. Mm. And so what I mean by that is we'll be having dinner and she says, hey, you know, it's this day. Uh, it's time for the wellness check. How are you doing? Right. And it goes both ways. And we just listen, interpret. You know, there's a, a book. I think it's a seven, seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens or Seven People where it says, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Sure. Right. Because at this point, it's like, okay, well, hey, uh, you know, I have all these stressors going on. You know, I'm trying to leave my job. I'm trying to launch this. I'm trying to balance, you know, the kid. I'm trying to help do these things. Um, this is what I feel like is doing very well in the relationship with you and I. This is what I feel is lacking. This is what I need from you to fill like these specific buckets, you know, and we don't take offense to those things because if these are things that I'm feeling like I need, and if you start trying to battle me and make excuses on it or vice versa, well, you're shutting that other person down. You're discrediting how they're feeling. And when you do that, it's going to be less likely for those individuals to, or each other to share those things with one another, you know, and then you just end up having this buildup of resentment this buildup of like these anxieties, these buildups of uh, your buckets emptied and never getting refilled. And so we make it a point to every week have wellness checks and just to check in on each other, see if there's, you know, what are your wins for the week? What do you feel like you could have done better with? How are you doing emotionally? What do you need from me? What am I doing good of? What do you need less of from me? You know, and doing that also helps really create that uh, and solidify that foundation in the relationship. And I absolutely love them to death. You know, and so I want to make sure that I'm constantly making sure that concrete is not just um, solid, but continuing to be built upon. Because as you continue to build that foundation, you can build a bigger empire. And I don't mean empire in the sense of like entrepreneurship, you know, and and all of that. I mean in life, in love, in spirituality, you know, in everything. Mm. That's some good advice on the wellness checks. That's uh, it's not one I've actually heard before. I, I've I'm familiar with a lot of the other things that you said, but that one was a, that was a new one. Yeah. And I think that it's extremely beneficial because if you're not checking in on each other hmm. and you make assumptions, well, if I'm making an assumption on how I think you're doing based on the fact that you haven't come out and said something to me, and that's not your reality, that's only going to fester either resentment, discontent, um, frustration, 
And if you're, you know, with somebody that's more of a submissive type, you know, and that's how my wife is, she's more of a, a submissive type, you know, she doesn't want to say anything or, you know, do anything that might like add to my stresses or anxiety. And it's like, no, 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 you're not doing me any favors by doing that. Right. And I'm not doing any favors by sugarcoating anything with you or not telling you what it is that I need or what I feel and vice versa. And so by doing that, you know, you really get it out there and you tell the other person what you need so that you don't start to build up these negative emotions and these negative acts. And then you can continue to build upon that foundation and really grow, you know, as a team. Good stuff. No, that's, that's, that's awesome. Good stuff. Um, so you've got a very supportive wife, obviously. She's Absolutely. helping you through a lot of stuff. Um, you come from the Marines. You you have all these these changes you got to make. You've got the wife. You've got the kid. You've uh, you've also worked really hard on um, your own personal development and growth. And you know, just from the conversations you and I have had, you know, I got to hear about uh, some of those things that you've gone and done. Uh, you want to enlighten folks on that because you haven't just sat here and tried to like figure it out yourself. You know, you're not just reaching around in the dark, going, "All right, at some point it'll make sense." You're actively going out, spending money, working hard, trying to improve Danny. Tell us about yeah, that. Absolutely. You know, and to get into that, I'll kind of recap on what I had said earlier. You know, as a kid in high school, being surrounded by a lot of negative influences, you know, they say that you are the sum of the people you hang around. And I hung around a lot of bad people, you know, a lot of people that were tough guys that thought that the best way to show who they were and what they were capable of was to get in fights was to go and steal or to do all of these things. And that's what I was becoming because I had surrounded myself, you know, with people that I thought were my friends that accepted me, but were dragging me down with them, with their bad habits, with their negative mindset. And so taking that into consideration of what kind of started for like kind of forging my character in my past, I started thinking to myself, well, if I want to change who I am, and get out of these head spaces and out of these cages that people have put me in as a reality I've turned and accepted. Well, just like when I hung around those bad influence and I was becoming that, I need to hang around people that are out there fucking doing stuff with their life, that are out there doing the things that it is that I want to do, that I know that I'm more than capable of doing. And if I surround myself with those type of people, then how can I not be successful? How could I not change my perspective? How can I not change my mindset? And so that whole idea started um, a few years back, actually, before I ever actually started getting into wanting to really be an entrepreneur. And I was in a relationship with a girl and that relationship, we were together for, I think, four years at, the, at that time. And I had proposed to her, um, bought her a really nice ring, but it was toxic. Like I was insecure, I was jealous, um, you know, I was short-tempered and just um, a lot of demons that I faced and I would project those insecurities and all that stuff onto her in our relationship, you know? And when I started talking about building that foundation and everything that I have with my wife, all of that has started because of this past relationship. And that relationship ended up ending, you know, we were supposed to go and get married, and she pulled me aside one night. She's like, hey, I didn't book our venue because I don't know if I want to marry you anymore. And it completely whiplashed me, took me by surprise. Oh, wow. Right. And <laughs> I was like, wait, what? And, you know, so it was really hard. Um, within a week later, I, I was living in Reno, Nevada at the time. 
And within a week, I had packed up my car and driven back to Michigan, uh, where I was born and raised. And, you know, I could have done one of two things in those situations. Well, I was absolutely heartbroken, right? I was shattered. I was depressed. Um, I had false hope that like, hey, the relationship will get back together. We'll be okay. Like she reassured me that we just need some time. And then I got a package in the mail with a handful of my stuff that I had asked for. And in that package was the engagement ring. And so I had known at that time, I was like, okay, ouch, (laughs) this is actually over. Yeah. Right. And so I, there's a few things that I could have done. Right. I I recognize that the relationship was in a toxic cycle. I recognize that a lot of those issues were brought on by myself because I didn't face my own shit. I didn't face all the demons that I had. I, I, was allowing my past and the experiences to dictate who I was and project those insecurities and those jealousies and things that had happened in my past relationships onto her. And so it's like, well, I could sit here and, you know, be a victim and blame her and everybody else, or maybe it was another guy who knows what it is. I could, I could be the victim or I could say, you know what, like I'm self-aware enough to know that a lot of these problems came from me. Like, like if I truly look at the situation, I was the cause of most of the problems. And so I could be a victim or I could say, okay, something about me needs to change. And so I went on this path of rediscovery and really dissected who I was and, and do it. Like I started reading like, you know, a lot of self-help books, like the five love languages, um, uh, the four agreements, you know, all of these books that like try to help like psychologically and mentally with developing who you are and about other people. And it was in that time that I recognized that if I didn't deal with my own shit, if I, if I didn't decide to dissect who I was and really look at to the things that, you know, created this version of myself that obviously wasn't working. If I don't deal with this now and I continue to stuff it down and I don't face it and I don't learn from it, then I'm going to be the common denominator in all of my future problems, in all of my future relationships, whether platonic or romantic. Hmm. Because if it's so bad with me that I have, you know, I'm short-tempered, I'm toxic, I'm jealous, I'm insecure. If I don't deal with these things, then they're just going to continue to go on. And if nothing changes, nothing changes. And so I ended up dealing with my shit and I stopped being that common denominator by trying to figure out how, how I can grow as a person. You know, and because of that, you know, I had met my wife and she's got a part of me that no one and no other woman that I've dated has ever been with because I'm a new version of myself, you know? And so learning that about me and realizing that if nothing changes, nothing changes and knowing that, you know, if people in my past can be such a negative influence and bring me down with them, and that's what I was becoming, then going into my future, I need to change something about myself. And that's this mental cage of this version of myself that I've accepted that other people have created for me, right? My teachers, my family, my friends. And so, yeah, I've spent, you know, I've been a member of the lion's den uh, for a while. Um, You know, I flew out to Sean Whalen's uh, lion's den fly-in event in, I believe, March of last year. Um, More recently, I ended up flying out to uh, Justin Wagner, Backbone Swag, I had a flying event, I think December 10th of hmm. last year, yeah. um, 2022, you know, and I met a lot of great people out there, but something about that. Spe- oh, and I've been to 10X Growth Con with Grant Cardone, um, you know, and 
it was something about Justin's event that really triggered this change in perspective for me. Despite the thousands of dollars I've spent on coaching and mentorship and trying to put myself in situations to surround myself with people that I know are going to be a positive impact with me, something about that event really, I guess, ignited a fire within my heart and really changed something with me. So ever since I left that event, you know, and I don't want to get into, you know, a lot of what was shared at Justin's event. Um, but one thing that I will share is that when I was out there, you know, I was like, well, what am I waiting for? Well, I got to get an LLC. I've got to, you know, try to do some copyright. I've got to get a design. all the same shit I was doing with non-fungible lifestyle, right? This other clothing brand that I tried to work with and start. And, you know, with that brand, I had filed for a trademark. I bought the domain. Um, you know, I've got a thing so that if you type in something on Coinbase, it'll automatically populate my wallet address for like Bitcoin transfers, you know, and I put all this time, effort and money into creating something that I'm just going to throw away, essentially. Mm -hmm. And Justin said, well, you need to learn from your mistakes, right? Like what you don't want to do is waste time and make the same mistake twice. Make a concept and get it out there, right? Because how much time and money did you spend trying to do that just to get rid of it and throw it away. Right. Why would you want to waste all that time and money again and risk the same outcome? Like just go, just put it out there. Right. And so me being a perfectionist, I've been trying to do that. Um, and I'm just <laughs> such a perfectionist that, and not a graphic designer that I've been trying to work on these concepts and these designs. I've paid people to, you know, design specific elements for me. And I'm going to try to get something out there actually tonight. But I will say that, you know, that event was a catalyst to really flip a switch in my head and really force me into a perspective of, you know what, time's ticking. This is all we get. We have one life. And if I don't do it now and I continue to waste it, I'm going to end up laying in a grave next to those dreams. And I just can't let that happen anymore. <laughs> uh, that you, you just threw down so much. <laughs> and I love it. I mean, that was... That was a lot of loaded stuff that you just threw yeah. out there. It, th those were a lot of big, big one-liners that had a ton behind each one of them. Um, the I'm familiar with the flying events, um, and of course, lines not cheap. And I've sure. been a den member myself, so I mean, I, I totally get um, where you're at. A lot, a lot of us make the mistake we don't want to spend the time or the money to um, to get mentored because we think we know everything, and we don't get something that you said very simply, and, and it could get glossed over real easy. Um, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Right. You know, and I, too many of the guys that listen to the podcast, you know, myself included, we do that same thing every day. You know, we, we, I don't need to do this. I'll figure it out. Well, if, if you could figure it out, why haven't you? Right. <laughs> you know, and, and so. I think, and I think that's what a lot of people overlook. You know, people are going to be so quick to go out there. You know, you have the iPhone 14 that's out right now. And in September, they're going to drop or announce their iPhone 15 or whatever it's going to be called. And, you have people that are going to rush to spend, uh, you know, $1,600 on a terabyte hard drive because that way they can brag to their friends like, hey, check it out. I got the new iPhone or I got this new or this or this or this. Right. But then when it comes to like things that are going to actually require them to put in work and put in, even if it's like a $300 to go to a course or, you know, $1,000 to go to a flying event, people are not going to be willing, most people aren't going to be willing to spend that money because it's not a priority to them. Because I think that people, you know, that, well, they don't want to spend the money on it. 
they don't want to spend the money on it because you know showing off their newest thing is more important to them than you know spending money on something that might actually better their life that requires them to put in effort and work you know once they buy this little gadget the work's done like hey look look how cool this is right but i don't have to do anything to change in order to go and do this if i do this well now i might have to put my myself through adversity now i might have to put right. in actual work and change anything and everything about myself so i mean you can you know the people that do go out there and they're contemplating spending the money you know on a coaching group or on a mentor um you know or on a subscription based uh mentorship program you know like uh the lion's den with sean you know, or the bison society that I think Justin's going to be launching here soon. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're thinking about doing it, it just makes sense to do it because if you're trying to figure it out, you can spend a shitload of money and get it wrong. You might get it right, but you can spend a shitload of money trying to figure things out, or you can pay for a mentor and you can avoid a lot of expenses, unnecessary expenses. And not only that, but more importantly, you save time because you're not spending and wasting time learning from those mistakes or having to even make the mistakes to learn from. You get to pull from somebody that's out there that's done it and has a proven method that's willing to share it with you. And so you just saved yourself so much time by spending a little bit of money on a mentor that if you look at how much money you would have spent without him or her, it's a no brainer. Absolutely, man. Yeah, everybody uh, wants the results, and nobody wants to put in the work, man. <laughs> just... I couldn't have said it better myself. Most people don't. <laughs> yeah. Most yeah. people don't. That's uh, that's how we all end up. It's um, you know, I tell the story a lot, but when I first started doing this podcast, um, I had people who who I knew, people who were close to me, who were like, "What are you going to do? You're going to do what? Right. You're going to talk about what?" And, and and you know, just absolutely couldn't even fathom that I was going to actually talk to you know, powerful men about wanting to get better, you know, and be better fathers and better husbands and, right. and tell their stories. And that was the idea from the get-go. And I'm sitting here almost a hundred episodes later and they're still looking at me like, it's never going to work. I'm like, I have episode a hundred coming, coming out like next week. What do you, right. what do you mean it's not going to work? But they just, and, they only see what they want to see, man. Well, they, they see what they want to see. And, you know, I think that, and, and I've said this a thousand times, probably more, you know, there's a lot of people out there who want to cheer you on, right? At least from a distance. And what happens if you do this podcast and it becomes extremely successful, right? And by its own right, it has. And so you have the people that have such limiting beliefs, not just in you, but in something that kind of goes against the grain of what a lot of us have been taught about going out there and becoming a slave to the system. Right. Right. Absolutely. Like, no, you can't go out there and do it on your own because I never learned how to do that. Right. I didn't learn how to do that in school. And so when you start to kind of break away from the traditional, you know, nine to five job, you know, and if you start to become successful, then that's great. But your friends want you to do well. They might cheer you on, but they don't want you to do better than them in some kind of a weird way. <laughs> right. And then if they have limiting beliefs and they're like, well, if I keep, you know, kind of chipping away you know, at his soul and his heart and this passion of his, maybe he'll come back down to reality and get a regular job like me because I'm too scared to go out there and do something fucking different with my life that goes against the grain. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now you've, you've talked to these mentors, you've learned a lot from, 
from uh, several of them. Um, you know, you've talked about some groups that you're in. Um, I know that you're you're making strides. I know you've got goals. I know you've got things that you're planning, things that are coming up. Yep. Um, and that's just from you and I, you know, discussing some things. Do you want to talk about um, where you were heading and how that changed and where you are now going? Yeah, sure. So I had started. Um, so last year I had started an LLC and well, to even go before that, like I have a, a bachelor of fine arts in photography. So when I left the military, the one thing that I knew that I did like from high school, because I took a photography, a few photography classes in high school yeah. and that kind of really like I was passionate about it. And so that's one thing that I learned as a, as a kid growing up that I, I really liked. And so when I got out of the military and I'm like, well, what do I do? I didn't make any plans. Well, I resorted back to the one thing that I knew I liked, which from high school was photography. And so I ended up going to Brooks Institute of Photography out in Santa Barbara. Mm -hmm. And I ended up um, getting a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree from that school. And so, um, you know, I launched an LLC with that. So I currently have a photography LLC, which I think in part saved me uh, from another situation that happened around January 6th. And we can get into that later if you'd like. And, you know, so I have this photography degree, um, but with life and everything happening, like it's just excuses, right? Really what it boils down to is a lot of excuses on why I haven't gone really like dove in and pursued it. And so I have that. But aside from that, I had started last year, um, I believe it was last year, I started working on a clothing company called Non-Fungible Lifestyle. And it was going to be a clothing style that was based on cryptocurrency, blockchain, and non-fungible tokens, NFTs. And so, you know, I had paid a graphic designer to design a logo. Um, I bought a bunch of blank shirts. I have silicone wristbands that say non-fungible lifestyle on them. Um, I've got heat transfers. I've got a heat press machine. Um, you know, I, I've done this whole thing for it. And I can grab a couple of them and show you. Um, and... You know, I did all of that. I was super passionate. I filed for a trademark. I actually just got a uh, an email a couple of weeks ago saying that, hey, you've been granted the issuance of allowance for your trademark. It'll be officially granted once you prove that you're using it in commerce. And I have until mid-July to prove that I'm using it in commerce for the trademark non-fungible lifestyle to be officially uh, granted. Mm. So I have this thing going, super passionate about it. I'm still learning about cryptocurrency and NFTs at this point. And I go to Sean Whalen's flying event for the Lions Den. And I'm taking in all of these nuggets, all of these things from all these different entrepreneurs and all of these different walks of life. And I'm like, I can't do this. I, I can't continue down this road of non-fungible lifestyle because one, I'm still learning about the space myself. Two, how do I convince people to buy into an idea if I have to? spend a lot of money or time educating them on what crypto even is. I don't even understand blockchain. So how do I explain that to people? Mm. I know what NFTs are, but if I can't, you know, articulate it well enough to people that have no clue, my market is very niche. Right. It's a very small market that will consist of people that have been dabbling in it and like the idea. And so I said, I've got to do something that I can basically tell my story that represents who I am, what it is that I've been through. And I believe people are going to jive with that because there's going to be people out there 
that are veterans and, oh, this is a veteran owned company. You know what? Let me see what their stuff's about. Oh, I support this message. I support this individual. I support his family life. I, I think it's great what he shares. Oh, you know, I support this, that, or the other thing about him and this message that it is. And I can get behind that. Right. And so going to that flying event for the lion's den was like, okay, well, I need to be able to find a way to tell my story that will help people, um, you know, that feel the same way, want to represent that message, you know, whether it's on a hat or some kind of article of clothing or a poster or a flag or a decal or whatever it is. And so I decided to scrap non-fungible lifestyle, which would probably end up getting me in trouble later if I ever tried to abbreviate it because the abbreviation is NFL. <laughs> and we all know who owns the uh, the market on that. Right. And so um, I started, you know, kind of coming up with some other ideas. And then we found out my wife was pregnant. And so I've, you know, it's been like these like slow movement, slow progress. And then fast forward into December of last year, I go to Justin's flying event uh, for Backbone Swag out in Texas. And I'm like, you know what? Why am I wasting my time doing all this other stuff? Let me just try to create something, put something out there, see if the market responds. If it does go from there, stop wasting time, stop making the same mistake twice. You know, I don't need a bank account right now. You know, I don't need the LLC right now. I don't need this. I don't need that. And so I've been trying to work on, you know, creating these different things for this idea that I have that I want to represent. And so I had an idea in mind called do your worst, right? And do your worst to me is like, if you are going to try to come after me, you know, if you think that you're going to crush me, if you think that you're going to do all of these negative things to me then I hope you do your worst and that you win. Because if you don't, I will. I'll do my <laughs> my worst and I will win, right. right? You know, and it was kind of this mentality that I had, but I was like, you know, that's kind of confusing. Do I really want to go that route with it? And then I had an epiphany. And I said, well, what is it that I'm trying to say? What is it that I always say? I always talk about how time is the most valuable currency we have. I always talk about how, you know, this is a one life that we get. And, you know, if we spend our time on things that we're not passionate about, spend our time with people or on people who don't really care about us, that it's not reciprocated, it's wasted. And if we're not happy with that, it's not like if you give, you know, somebody a dollar for something that costs 50 cents, you get 50 cents back. Or if you're not happy with it, you can return it. When that hourglass runs out of sand, it's gone. You don't get a refund on that time, right. you know? And so I said, what is the simplest way that I can try to articulate what it is that I feel about life. And I was sitting here and it was a happy accident really. And what it is, is I was coming up with this concept for the do your worst thing. And I was uh, abbreviating a layer in uh, Photoshop. And as I was abbreviating it, because there was a message that I wanted to have on the shirt for this mock-up for this concept. I was like, wait a minute. Like, this is it. This is, this is a message right here. And that message is just fucking live right? Stop wasting time. Stop thinking tomorrow is going to happen. There's people who didn't wake up today that planned on getting stuff done today that they were putting off, you know, and it's not because anything crazy happened. It's just, they didn't wake up. It was their time and they were called, right? Right. You know, pr tomorrow is promised to nobody. And so it's like, well, what does that mean? It means, well, fucking live today because tomorrow might not happen. And so that's the route I've been going on. So I, I spent the last uh, probably two weeks trying to come up with this concept. Um, and I've got one. I'm going to try to launch it tonight, you know, and put it out there and see how people respond to it. And 
you know, hopefully people are passionate about it and they like it or they love it and we'll see what happens with it, you know? And if they don't, then I'll, you know, I'll adjust and I'll make some changes and I'll just keep pushing. But uh, yeah, I'm really excited for that. Well, I've seen it and I love it. And so soon you got to, you got to message me when you launch, cause I'm, I'm going to buy one like ASAP. If I'm not well, your first, that. if I'm not your first purchase, I'll be right up there. Okay. And right. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. Thank and you. I'm, I'm wearing a backbone swag right now. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I mean what I say. All right. <laughs> absolutely. You know, and I was telling you in the pre-show, you know, I had a backbone swag. I am the storm uh, hoodie on. Yeah. You know, and I'm really weird about clothes. Like I probably have three or four things that I've ordered from Justin that still have the tags on them that I've never worn. Right. <laughs> wow. And, and it's, it's nothing personal. It's just that like when I get what I think is nice stuff, I have a hard time wearing it because I don't want to ruin it because to me, it's like, it's so pretty, right? It's so shiny. Right. I don't want to mess it up. And that's the way I feel with a lot of the clothes that I get from Justin, you know? And so I got in here into the studio and I'm like, well, man, it's, it's so hot in here because the heat radiates in this room. It kicks a lot hotter in this room for some reason. So I took it off <laughs> and I had a black shirt on underneath it. And I'm like, well, I haven't washed this hoodie yet. You know? So I had like a little bit of lint on it. Uh, cause it's a brand new shirt. You know, I literally put it on and didn't realize it was, I hadn't worn it yet. And so I have the tag, his, uh, his hang tag stabbing me in my neck, you know, I had pulled it. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well that makes sense. Well, I'm hot. So, Oh, I can't wear this anymore because like, I've got a little bit of lint on it. Not like it was crazy, but it's like, well, I don't want the camera to pick that up. Right. And so, yeah, absolutely. And I've decided that, you know, I really only want to buy clothes and I hate graphic tees. You know, I've hated graphic tees for a long time. Uh, I would only wear like solid color shirts. And I was like, you know what? I'm only going to try to do my best to start supporting brands with messages and ideas and ideologies that I agree with. And Backbone swags up there with one of the absolute top ones. You know, so I appreciate that. I do see that you're wearing that. I was wearing one myself. I'll probably throw it back on before I head out the door here in a little bit. Um, but yeah, absolutely. So I appreciate that. Thank you. No, not at all, man. Let me know because I'll uh, I'll grab that up. So I just, uh, you know, I'm the same way. You know, if if the if the cause is there, if the message is right, if the the thinking and the mindset behind it, you know, is where it's supposed to be, and and you know, if the guy who's running, if his heart's there, you know, then I want to support it absolutely, hundred percent, absolutely. So I'm I'm always there. But um, all right. So this is going to drop tonight. This is kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah. So that's the game plan. I had uh, so we had a printer. And the size that I wanted to make it, because there'll be heat transfers um, at first, and the size that I wanted to make it, our printer's not capable of printing that. So, you know, we were kind of taking pieces of paper and taping them together and trying to, like, come up with a, a visual on, like, what size is going to look good on a shirt. Because if I put a mock-up out there, I want it to be proportionate to what it is if somebody's, like, if if I get a positive response, that it's going to be as accurate to that mock-up as possible. And so I was like, we got to go get a new printer, you know? So we had just gotten this big printer over here and, you know, I had printed out a couple different sizes of it. Um, and I found the size that I believe is going to work. And so I'm going to, when I get home tonight, um, that's one of the first things I'm going to do is I'm going to create the mock-up uh, with that specific size on there, you know, in relevance and see if people respond to it. And if it's a positive response, then, you know, I plan on, you know, launching that Shopify store and trying to, you know, pump some stuff out there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll come back to this. There's only one more thing that I wanted to touch base with you on. And sure. I know you know what it is already. Um, a lot of folks, uh, a lot of folks paid a lot of attention when you talked about, um, your experience with January 6th. 
And yes. you you have uh, prints and stuff like that that I think you were either selling or considering selling or reproducing. Correct. Are you still doing that just out of curiosity? So I, I was thinking about actually going and, you know, making like a coffee table, like a coffee book, uh-huh. a coffee table book of, you know, the prints and everything that I had taken from January 6th. And um, I haven't done it. I did get a little bit of a response for it, um, but I haven't put a, enough time into develop it. I haven't put enough time into actually create prints because I think it's still such a sensitive subject or Very, topic yeah. for a lot of people, especially with the way things were spun um, yeah. from people that were never there, you know, that buy into the hype that is given to them or spoon fed to them, um, you know, and yeah, so I want to do prints of it. I think that, you know, having some large prints on like a uh, really nice archival map paper would be absolutely amazing to hang in like a a spot of your home that's like hey check this out like how epic was this you know despite what the media and everybody tried to portray it as um but i'll talk on it you know i'll talk on the experience and everything that i had um so we heard that trump was going to have a rally on january 6th and you know i was like man i don't know if i if i can go i've got to put vacation in for work and i ended up you know, put in the vacation and the vacation got granted. And my wife and, uh, you know, my wife and my best friend and I ended up going out there. Um, you know, we only packed, I, I think I, in my suitcase, uh, I packed a couple, uh, MREs. I, I packed a couple collapsible flagpoles, a Marine Corps flag and a, a U.S. flag. Um, I had some sleeping bags and a couple change of clothes because there was rumor that the hotels in the local area around there, um, if you were coming in from out of state, then they were going to cancel your reservation. And so there's uh, people talking that, oh, well, we're going to just set up like these big camps. And if you have sleeping bags or tents or whatever, like you can come out here and, you know, you know, we'll kind of be this community of helping each other out. Sure. Yeah. that has been kicked out of, you know, their hotels. <clears throat> so we end up flying out there. We go to check into our hotel and, we didn't get kicked out of the hotel or anything. So we get there, we're in the lobby waiting to check in. And there's a lot of different people out there, you know, and they're like, oh, well, you know, there's a couple busloads of Antifa that just got dropped off at this hotel across the street, just so you know. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, thanks for that information. Right. And I have no clue who a lot of these people are, you know, but then you see people that are kind of dressed a little bit differently. They're kind of like carrying themselves a little bit differently. You know, and I go up and I start chatting with some of them and they're proud boys. And so had a little bit of conversations with some proud boys, um, which was, you know, you have this portrayal of what they are, you know, through the uh, the media and social media. And I will say that my personal experience, because there's a lot of negative light that gets shined on them, at least for the like one or two people that I had talked to at the hotel, that's not what the experience or the the thought that I had was. So fast forward, uh, we end up going out that night that we fly in. We fly out on January 5th. Uh, we check into our hotel. You know, they're having like concerts and all this stuff. And so we're out just walking around. And I bring my professional camera with me. As I said, um, I've got a degree in photography, right? I've got an LLC in it. I've got a Bachelor of Fine Arts in photography. And so I'm out there just capturing, taking photos. So we end up, we go out. We end up coming back pretty early because we're like, okay, we're going to get up early. We're going to, you know, order some food from a restaurant across the street, you know, and then we'll make our way out uh, to the lawn and, you know, watch Trump and Rudy Giuliani and all of their speech. 
well, we're, we're, we're there. I'm taking photos, you know, on my camera and, um, you know, Donald Trump Jr.'s out there, Rudy Giuliani, uh, um, a, a lot of predominant like conservative faces. Sure. You know, Trump ends up coming out there like super late. And I know that in that process, um, somewhere like close to halfway through a speech, like somebody raised some guy down up in the air and yelled something about like, let's go. And this huge group of people just got up and just left. And I was like, that's kind of weird. You know, and Trump had made the comment, like, let's, you know, essentially, you know, I think he had said, like, go to the Capitol or let's make our way down there. He didn't say anything about like charging them or violence or, you know, <laughs> anything like that. Um, you know, so we're walking to the Capitol and I'm taking photos, you know, on my camera and we get there and we're taking, uh, I'm taking these photos. We get to the Capitol and there's like these multiple layers of the Capitol, right? And so there's steps that kind of lead up to these different layers. And I'm taking all these photographs. I get a text message and like somehow I get a text message because there's thousands and thousands of people. And if you've ever been to a concert, you can't even send a text message, you know, with there being, you know, because there's the, everyone's taking up the cell service. Right. Too much interference. Well, yeah. Right. And so I get a text message from a buddy who was uh, that I had served with. And he's like, hey, man, you know, I hope you're not being like all these idiots that are, you know, out there. Because I had posted on uh, my social that I was going to D.C., and he's like, I hope you're not being like all these other idiots out there, you know, go see the sites, go pay respects to our brothers and sisters, you know, and then go home. Essentially, he's looking out for me, you know, and I said, uh, at this point, while we were there, uh, we had gone up like the first set of stairs um, to that next level, you know, and we get up there, I'm taking photos and everything. I've, I'm taking some videos on my phone. I, I can send you a couple of those videos if they will. Uh, they're kind of long. So I don't yeah, know. That'd be great. Send. Yeah, it'd be great. Um, you know, but I'm taking these and at the base, like, I don't know the layout of the Capitol, right? But it's kind of like this wall. And then there's like this outer wall. And it kind of looked like people were kind of going into like underneath that second uh, layer of, you know, that because you have the ground level and then you have stairs to the next level and then stairs to the next level. Yeah. And, and it, from my perspective up there, it looked like people were trying to go in. Granted, I don't know where in led to. I'd never been there before. I don't know the layout, you know, and I'm looking at this. I look at my wife and my friend. I'm like, Hey, we're out of here. And I sent a text message to my buddy while I was up there on that, that next level. I was like, Hey man, yeah, we're here at the Capitol right now. Uh, it looks like people are trying to go in. That's not what we came here for. We're leaving. And so I sent that text message and we end up going, uh, it took us forever to get out of there. There's so many people to try to like, kind of get in between. And so, you know, I'm still taking photos and everything on my camera. And finally, we get out of there. Not to mention, we get a, a kind of like an Amber Alert that said, hey, uh, there's a curfew. Don't be outside of your hotel or out in the streets or whatever past this time, you know, or basically you're going to risk getting arrested, right, for being out past curfew. And obviously, there's a reason for that, given what, you know, January 6th, right? Right. And so we're like, okay, well, we're not trying to get in any trouble. So, we went back to our hotel and we didn't leave our hotel for the rest of the day or the rest of the night. We weren't out past curfew despite there being concerts and gatherings. Like we just stayed inside. And um, fast forward, we go home, we fly home the very next morning. Um, we literally had just gone out there. We flew out on the fifth, was there on the sixth, flew out on the seventh back home, you know, and fast forward maybe a week or two, I'm at work. I get pulled out of work and I basically, Hey, you know, were you, in DC. I was like, yeah, I was. 
all right, well, you're under investigation. Fast forward three months later, I'm under this investigation, and I'm sitting down with an FBI agent. And essentially, um, the agent is, hey, uh, why were you there? Right. And I'm like, well, I went there to support who I believe won the presidency, you know, and to exercise my First Amendment right, uh, freedom of speech and freedom of the press. By the way, here's a photocopy of my uh, degree in photography, my Bachelor of Fine Arts. Here's a copy of my photography LLC. Here's a copy of my, um, what was it? So I, I gave her a copy of my degree, a copy of my LLC. And then I had a huge stack of papers that were all file names. And I said, and here's a list of all of the files that I uploaded to the copyright office under my my, my uh, photography entity. I said, so I also went there for freedom of the press to capture what I thought was going to be a historic day. That way I could turn around and potentially tell this story later, you know, and sell these photos and maybe make a book and stuff of it. Um, obviously, we didn't expect what happened to turn out the way that it did, but that is why I went, right? And so I ended up having to um, give the FBI all of my photos from my phone, my professional camera, um, the videos that I took, I had to give them everything. And that was so that it could help them, at least from my understanding, um, try to pinpoint more people who were there. Right. Jeez. And so, Oh my God. Yeah. And so <sighs> it, was a, it was a crazy experience, you know, but with January 6th, like we didn't go there to be trouble. You know, we went there to support Trump. We went there to express, you know, um, peacefully that, hey, like, we don't agree with what's happening. Like, look at the evidence, right? Right. And I, and I don't know, you know, what way your your listeners lean, um, you know, but it, it doesn't matter, right? If you're out there actually trying to make a difference rather than, like, throwing a hashtag out there, you know, and saying, you know, pray for Ukraine or whatever whatever it is at the time like you're not making a difference right right and i give kudos to anybody regardless of what like side of the spectrum you're on if you're out there trying to peacefully um nonviolently make a change because you're showing up actually showing up you know what i give you kudos yeah you know and i would say that uh it was a very interesting experience to say the least you know i got questioned on hashtags that i used on Instagram. Um, I got questioned about, you know, extremist affiliations. Uh, it was absolutely like about decals on my car. It, and they were, it seemed like they were just trying to find anything and everything to try to, um, you know, really hang me up. And, you know, I had posted on my Instagram account, the one that I had at the time, um, I had posted on there, you know, videos and photos from us being there. And I had people on there tagging the FBI and the CIA, you know, all these different alphabet agencies, you know, so many people saying, you know, I wish you were the one that were shot and killed. I wish you were shot. I wish you would have died. You know, just a lot of like toxicity and hate. Um, and there, and there were people also that, you know, more of the negativity than the positivity. And then there were people that were also asking questions you know, and 99% of those questions I had responded to, because I did when I, I didn't have to, but I did, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I, I, I killed him with kindness. And, you know, a lot, there's a lot of confusion based on what the people that were there actually saw. 
the the information that came out, the video footage of what came out um, and what was being portrayed by the media. And so, of course, people don't know what to believe. Right. right. And so I'm like, well, if people don't know what to believe and I was there and I see kind of the route that politicians and the media are trying to take this, then if there's anything that I can do to try to help bring understanding and, um, you know, kind of stop the chaos around it then the only way I'm going to be able to do that is if I don't let their attitudes be contagious and affect me. Because I'm a firm believer that attitudes are contagious, Yeah. right? If you come come at me with this extreme attitude, well, I can get offensive and, you know, throw it back at you because if you're being rude and disrespectful and hateful, it's very easy for me to fall into that mentality as well. Because I think, like I said, it's attitudes are contagious, good and or bad. Sure. And I said, well, if there's so much confusion and people don't know and they're, you know, spilling this stuff and they're just regurgitating what they've seen online or through the TV, well, I don't want to come after them with the same attitude. I've got to be a beacon of light, of understanding to help them really understand what really happened through my eyes. Now, what happened through my eyes and what happened through other people's eyes could be entirely different, but this is my story, right? This is what I saw authentically and I will share that with you and I will help you try to understand the way I see out from what I experienced there. Cause that's all I can share. I can't share from anybody else, Sure. but you know, and I mean, I had a lot of people that, you know, was unwavering. Right. And I had a lot of people that were like, Holy shit. Hey, thank you. Like, I never thought of it like that. I didn't see it like that. This is what I had seen. Thank you for sharing this, you know? And so there's a lot of uh, arts and minds that I changed. And there's a lot of people that just couldn't be bothered to, um, change their perspective, no matter what kind of proof or evidence you showed them. You know, if you changed one mind, that's it. you know, then then that it's worth all the work you went through. You know, I could not agree more. I, I just and the second time that I'm hearing the story, you know, because you told me about this, you know, in our in our pre-show, I, I'm I'm still just sort of flabbergasted that there's a three month investigation because you went someplace, right? You know, in in this world, in this country, it's amazing to me. <clears throat> but uh, listen, I I thank you for. For sharing that um i saw a little bit about it on your feed you know i've seen snips you know snippets here and there and you talk about the pictures and the photos um i follow a lot of that type of stuff too you know i've heard a lot of that I, m- my listeners lean mostly the way you would think they would lean with the name power of man as a podcast sure. um you know of course but um you know nothing nothing that i do is kind of like what you've said nothing that i do is ever to shove anything down anybody's throat i'm always happy to have the conversation too you know so um, the name of the podcast is Power of Man, and, and I've got a slew, a very big contingency of female listeners um, on the program, which is kind of funny. <laughs> and but but they comment a lot, so um, hopefully positive things. You oh, know, and, and almost I will all, say, yeah. I, I will say this: for the longest time, like I reclused, right? I reclused, and I didn't want to share my photos. I didn't want to share that story. I was scared. I don't blame you. Right? Yeah. Because sitting in that interview with the FBI, feeling like the questions that I was being asked have the potential to just take away my freedom. And they're just trying to look for any kind of like a hint of anything that I did something that I wasn't supposed to do. Right. Um, you know, well, if I reshare this, if if I reshare a photo or if I reshare a video, like when I had made that post, I think the one that you're talking about, about, you know, making prints. I was like, if I share this, what if a different agent that is more gung-ho of locking up conservative voices 
what if they see it? And now they're going to come after me and try to find a different angle. Right. And if they do that, how vicious are they going to be an attempt to silence me or put me away or take away my freedom because they think they're doing it for the greater good. Right. Right. And so I'm always like, for the longest time, I've been so scared to share any of that stuff because what if, you know, what if I don't, what if I don't? And you have people out there that are just terrified to speak up or people that are scared to go to say a a semi-truck rally, right. And protest of freedom. Well, what, what if I don't share that? I think it's not only a disservice to myself and my story and who I am, but it's a disservice to people who are looking to, like it's okay. It's okay to be a, a citizen of whatever country you're in and be empowering, yeah. right? Because it's the people that went to January 6th and they say, oh, it was this huge insurrection. And it's like, you must not know anything about 1776, <laughs> right? That was an insurrection. That was an insurrection. And you're enjoying your freedoms today because we broke away from them. Right. You know, like that's what that was. This is what I would call a false flag. Anyways, you know, but it's like, um, if I don't tell that story, then the people that want to go out there and like show up rather than just sitting behind the keyboard of their phone or their computer, maybe they'll realize like, Hey, there might be a repercussion to this. I might sit down with the FBI. I might be under a three month investigation. But you know what? If he did it and he's okay, because I didn't do anything illegal or go anywhere I wasn't supposed to go, right. um, then you know what? Maybe, maybe I can show up too. And if I show up and show, maybe that'll be the difference that makes everything. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. Well, like I said, I appreciate you sharing that, man, because um, the story needs to be told. Your story needs to be told, um, and. It clear anybody anybody who's seen that on your feed, it gives uh, gives them a chance now to kind of have you clear that up and just say, look, this is what happened, right? You know, and yeah, I do have some pictures, but you're not out like promoting any kind of craziness or, right. um, you know, trying to raise you know some sort of rebellion. I mean, you're just right. I was there. Here's the pictures. Anybody interested? So I right, thought that absolutely. was pretty cool. I thought that was cool. Um, moving uh, moving back to uh, to your process, then you are uh, you're getting ready to launch this thing. You've been working hard on it. And, um, it's, uh, it's an awesome design. I don't know if you want to show that. To yeah, I'll sh- You're yeah, welcome I'll show to it. it. Anybody who's watching on YouTube. I mean, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, the thing is, is, you know, balancing, trying to find balance with the job that I'm currently at, uh, tr- you know, trying to be present for my wife, trying mm-hmm. to be present for our newborn who's five months old today. <laughs> um, you know, and not only that, but other projects of things that we're trying to like our homestead, uh, there, there's just so many moving parts here and, you know, I'm usually up till I posted a photo where I was looking over one of my, one of these prints last night at like three 30 in the morning. Right. Um, because it's like, I'm moving very slowly because of all of these other moving parts in my life. But as long as, like I said, I keep moving just a little bit at a time, then eventually, I, I mean, it might look stagnant to a lot of people and that's okay because sleep on me. Right. I'm going to keep going. Um, but you know, yeah, it's taken a lot longer than what I would have liked it to. Um, especially with a lot of other things that have happened that were unplanned, but yeah, it's, it's something that's super exciting to me. Um, you know, and so this is the design right here. Now, obviously our listeners can't hear this, but maybe you can kind of give the breakdown of, of what that looks like and what the pieces are. Yeah. So what it is, is you've got, um, 
an hourglass essentially for the people that are actually watching yep. and can see, you know, as well, you've got an hourglass and at the top of the hourglass is this tree, you know, kind of representing this tree of life. Right. And time is, time is ticking, right? The second we're born, you know, this hourglass is slowly emptying out, you know, and as it's emptying out, once it runs out, like I said, you don't, you don't get a refund on that time. That time is spent. Right. And so essentially the bottom of this hourglass, what's happening is it's going from this tree of life to a skull and that skull represents death, you know, and it's not just necessarily, you know, physical death of our being, but, you know, the death of your dreams, the death of what it is that you want to do that you're putting off what it is. it, It represents everything. Right. Because if you don't act on something that you're passionate about, this hourglass is ticking for that thing, too. Right. And once it runs out, you lose motivation and you're less likely to continue going forward with it. So you have an hourglass and it's surrounded by these like geometrical shapes that I think are really appealing and add to, you know, the complexity of the image, Um, you know, but on the outside of the hourglass, you have FKLV, which is abbreviated for fucking live. Yeah. Right. And so what does that mean to me? Everything that it is that I've been through in life. And everything that I've done and my feeling about time being extremely precious and the most valuable piece of currency we have because it's non-refundable. You know, what does that mean? It means that you have to stop putting stuff off. You have to stop thinking that you have another day. You have to stop thinking you'll get to it tomorrow because you might not wake up. You have right now and only right now. So all you have is to just fucking live in the moment. You know, and if you take that mentality and you truly encompass that, then you realize the stuff that you're trying to put off and that you don't want to do, the things that you are putting off because it's too hard, the things that you're putting off because you're too lazy, all of those things you might not have a chance to do because if you're not living now to its fullest, it's going to be wasted because you might not wake up. So that's what I'm working on right there. Um, it's the hourglass with the tree at the top, skull at the bottom, representing life and death. And, you know, like I said, the letters for fucking live, which is how I'm going to abbreviate it. And, you know, I've got to figure out exactly the layout, but I've got this one as well. Um, you know, and so this is a little bit different. You can see that the L is backwards on this one, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's got a representation as well of kind of going back and you know starting over and to actually start living rather than just kind of moving forward and you know putting things off and stuff like that so there's going to be a couple aspects to that shirt but that's the goal um i've got a lot of stuff to do today i'm going to get home we printed that out last night um i think i've got the right size for what it's going to be on the shirt so tonight i plan on launching a mock-up on my social media to see you know how people respond and react and if it's a positive response, then, you know, I'm going to get the ball rolling and, you know, start doing it. All right. So the drop of the new line from Danny Postwa, 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 yep. Postwa. I was right. All right. I'm getting it. Well, All it's right. okay. Because even if you said Postwa, I mean, that's still closer than some people. Some people call me Postawani, Postawanama. People throw several consonants <laughs> okay. in there that don't even exist in my name. So even if it was Postwa, you're killing it. All right. All right. So, uh, new, new line coming out, man. It's going to drop now. I'm assuming you're going to anchor all, anchor all this to your Instagram. So if anybody wants to see any of this stuff, Shopify will be connected there. 
yeah, I've got to figure all that stuff out. I've never done it. Um, so everything, everything is a learning curve for me. Right. Okay. Um, so I've got to figure everything out. I feel like I'm a pretty quick learner when it comes to a handful of things, but yeah, I'm planning on if I have a positive response with it, the second I get everything up and running, then yeah, everything will be intertwined and linked and I'll have, you know, multiple avenues of places on how you can get to it. Um, it's, it might just take me a couple extra seconds to do, but, um, yeah, everything should be linked up providing, you know, I get a positive response to this and if it's not a positive response, then I'll tweak, adjust and keep trucking. Right on. Yeah. Adapt and overcome. That's it. <laughs> For sure. All right. Um, so people who want to maybe follow you and just see what happens, um, even if it isn't all connected for some reason, I'm sure you'll at least put some instructions on what to do and how to find Absolutely. it on your Instagram. So, Absolutely. Um, so your Instagram for everybody else's sake is. Yep. So it's Danny Postua. Um, it's at D A N N Y P O S T A W A. Uh, there's no underscores. There's no dashes, dots, uh, anything like that, but it's just Danny Postua at D A N N Y P O S T A W A. Okay, we'll put that in the show notes for everybody too, so that they can, you know, see it and, uh, you know, copy and paste it and move on. And that should Absolutely. work out good. Right on, man. Uh, well, listen, I, I've kept you way too long, um, but I, I cannot thank you enough for sharing all this stuff and telling everybody your story. Um, you're you're a very interesting guy, a uh, very powerful young man, and I think you're you're going to be doing some really really big things. I hope that everybody who's listening to this is wise enough to follow you and uh, come along for the ride. I really do, man. Well, I, I welcome all the new followers. Stop in and say hi. Let me know you swung in uh, and that you heard us on here. And, you know, I appreciate everything. Rory, thanks for having me on your podcast. Thanks for thinking about me. Thank you for the questions and let me, you know, kind of tell my story, you know, and, and my hope is that, you know, somebody who's listening to this, you know, if they can find a, a nugget out of this that's impactful in their life in even the most minute way, you know, it makes my heart really happy. And I, I hope people find that. And, you know, like I said, I just, I can't thank you enough. So thank you for having me. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. Um, folks, the reason that we bring you this, uh, this type of stuff, the re reason that we bring you powerful men, you know, who are trying to change themselves, who are trying to get better every day is to show you that number one, it can be done. Uh, and number two, that you are worth it. You are worth the investment. You are worth the time. You're worth the work. And too often, I think the day-to-day -day doldrums just sort of make us feel like we're not. And so what we want to do here is remind you that you do have value. And there is a reason for you to get up in the morning and try to be better tomorrow than you are today. Um, you just have to believe it. Until Absolutely. next time.